In a world where booty wipes have become a black market commodity, where everything's gone to shit and there's not enough Charmin to fix it, Jesus, one man returns to get that ass together. Let's hear a round of applause. With your hands. You nasty. With arms. For PSA Papi. Episode 5, we really out here. Listen, for those of you just listening for the first time, my name is Anthony Betances and this is PSA Papi, your new favorite podcast where I provide a real but comedic take on current events, politics, and pop culture. You know, a lot of you have been wondering where the fuck I've been at since August. And honestly, you know, it's been a long story. Um, you know, I'll leave that testimony for another time. Just know your boys out here, you know, doing what I gotta do. You know, I somehow, you know, God managed to make it so that I became a six-figure daddy in an industry and position I absolutely would not have qualified for last year. So, you know, when I say God leveled me up, um, that's exactly what the fuck he did, okay? That's on period. So, <laughs> so I thank him. And, you know, I thank you guys too for, you know, waiting patiently for me. Um, to put out content. I've been saying that I was going to do this and I posted about it a couple times and then y'all want to be in my DMs talking about broken promises, promises. And, <laughs> you know, uh, but you guys have been consistently asking me when my next shit is going to drop and, you know, play my other episodes. And let me tell you something. You know, you guys are so fucking lit. Uh, I broke my first thousand streams back in October. Again, I only have four previous episodes. So off of four episodes, no new content, no promo, no nothing. And in the midst of, you know, some truly testing times, uh, you guys did that. So I thank you. I love you. And uh, let's get into what I got for you in this new season, okay? That said, you know, I I've been very blessed, um, but also very exhausted. <sighs> You're more tired than a washer dryer, okay? And, you know, I know a lot of you guys are too. I hope you've been taking care of yourselves throughout the pandemic. You know, I, I know it's not easy, you know, to completely alter how we live and um, continue to pretend like everything's all right when it's not. And, you know, it's even harder when people you know are either getting sick or dying um, and you're trying not to be next. You know, my condolences to anybody who's lost uh, a loved one in, in these times. You know, and then it's even harder because you got bitch-ass Facebook out here showing you old trips to DR and Miami memories and all that. And, you know... I mean, I don't know. Some of y'all don't even have this problem, but some of you have been trying to be a little more responsible and you, you can't even get your nut. You know, a few days ago, I put a vacuum to my feet. Just remember what it feels like taking my toe sucked. And <laughs> y'all are going to jail! Period! Just kidding, y'all. Y'all know I'm a virgin. You ain't fuck me, you fuck the old body. <laughs> and you know, I, mean, I feel like at this point, you know, it feels like I'm a dramatic R&B singer crying in the rain, except, you know, the video just won't fucking end. Um, you know, but lucky for you, you have me to provide you with a little entertainment. And if you made it to this point, I recommend that you subscribe because, you know, much like 9 out of every 10 holidays to keep on rotation, let me tell you, you will be back begging for more. <laughs> now, on the show today, we got rapper with probably the best name in the industry, OG Swagger Dick. And we have social media manager for humongous live entertainment company that I won't dare name for legal reasons, probably, Malcolm J. Gray. Both here to discuss the recent release of Takashi the Tad-Eye Troll from prison. But first, as my fave would say... We can get into some things. Now, I got a lot to say about this pandemic. Trifling, dirty, white, racist ass, you big, fat bitch, oompa lumpa body ass bitch. I also have a lot to say about our nation and its response to COVID-19. But why do all that when Nini's already summarized it perfectly? Oh, ah, the ghetto! The ghetto! I told y'all once, and I'm going to tell it again, I never in my lifetime ever want to hear anybody talking about, oh, this is the best country in the world ever again. 
I already dug into this in the beginning of episode one, Bagels and Booty Flicks, when I rashed the shit out of y'all for walking around with dirty fucking assholes out here taking a shit and smearing it with paper. But guess what? Y'all couldn't even do that for a couple weeks because y'all couldn't even find it anywhere. Stupid. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in the fucking ghetto. The ghetto. Everything about the way this is being handled, from the lack of testing and PPE, to the daily White House circus briefings, to the Karens and their husbands bitching for their right to their signature, I was told by Apple Care haircut. Everything about this is truly an embarrassment at the least, and that's not even considering the death toll in this crisis, which could have been significantly slowed down had there been adequate prevention and mitigation measures in place. As a matter of fact, you know, as a nigga with a bachelor's degree in communications, with a concentration in crisis management and conflict resolution, this is that shit that I love to address. This is my shit. And it better be my shit the way I got these loans on me out some fucking shackles. God rebuke them in the name of Jesus. But listen, that's not even what I'm here to talk about today. Instead, I came to talk to y'all about conspiracies. Coronavirus! Now, before you roll your eyes and decide to dip, just remember that I got a sound mind and a smart mouth, okay? And that's why y'all listen to me. So if you think you know where this is going, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't. I'm sure I'm going to have folks on both sides of the aisle mad, but this is some shit that you have to hear. So sit that ass right, sit that ass tight, and stay with me now. Oftentimes, when people bring up conspiracy theories, you know, certain folks write them off without giving them an ounce of thought. You know, they're conspiracy theories, right? Like, they're too crazy to be plausible. You know, there's just no way they could be true. Our government would, our government would never do something like that. <laughs> and that line of thinking is not just naive, but it's also inherently wrong. Okay, th this kind of thinking, it runs under the assumption or assertion that the government works only for our common good. But it already does plenty of horrific shit that we know about. Like, this is the same government that bailed out corporations in both this recession and the last while making us pick up the tab. This is the same government that's locking humans in cages at the border and has been doing so through the predatory and discriminatory apparatus that is the prison industrial complex. The same government that stood idly by as its local branches poisoned the water at Flint, Michigan, you know, for the last six years. The same government that saw 20 little children and six staff members get gunned down at Sandy Hook and did literally nothing about it to the point that CBS News reports that, you know, we had more mass shootings in 2019 than there were days in the year. So, you know, these are conspiracies. This is all public knowledge. So I think it's safe to say that our government hates us. And if you don't want to go that far, at the very least, you can acknowledge that our government places corporate interests above those of the people in literally every case possible. Now, if this is the shit that these guys do publicly, do you really think they're incapable of doing fuck shit in private? I'm going to give you three examples that come to mind just off the top. Number one, COINTELPRO. Between 1956 and 1971, the FBI ran this counterintelligence program that performed illegal actions in order to, quote, disrupt, misdirect, discredit, or otherwise neutralize the activities of social movements, including the civil rights, the feminist, and the anti-war movements. All right? Tactics ranged from infiltration and psychological warfare to assaults and assassinations. Now, these documents first became available after an activist group broke in and stole over a thousand classified dogs from an FBI office in Pennsylvania and exposed their bitch asses. Yo, our government has some nerve the way it claims MLK Jr. after the way the FBI literally tried to get him to commit suicide. But you know, I'm sleep. Go ahead and Google COINTELPRO for me. You know, you can read about it on Wikipedia or the FBI's ugly ass website. Take your pick. Second thing that comes to mind is the CIA versus Cuba. 
declassified and publicly available documents revealed that the CIA, you know, had suggested blowing up a U.S. ship in waters near Guantanamo and suggested setting off pipe bombs in Miami in plans to murder its own soldiers and civilians as pretexts for starting a war against Cuba in order to oust Fidel Castro from power. Now, these plans, which were, by the way, approved by Joint Chiefs of Staff, were part of Operation Northwoods and Operation Mongoose. You can literally read the primary text by Googling any of the aforementioned keywords. And the third thing that I think about is the Tuskegee experiments. Beginning in 1932, what was then called the United States Public Health Service conducted what it called the Tuskegee Study of Untreated Syphilis in the Negro Male, in which doctors studied the progression of syphilis in impoverished and uneducated black male subjects until their deaths. These men had absolutely no idea that they had syphilis. And it continued for decades, you know, even after penicillin had become widely used as treatment for the disease. This medical torture was only brought to a halt after a whistleblower leaked the story to the Associated Press in 1972. Four fucking decades of that shit. While the public wasn't aware, it wasn't exactly a secret to the medical community. You know, several medical journals had published about the study over the years. So, you know, I mean, listen, this is actually something I was obsessed with in college to the point where I did my final paper and presentation for my crisis communication course on it. And I had all them white folk absolutely shook that the U.S. could ever do something like this. Which I think is, you know, personally crazy because this didn't even touch the scale of what slavery was. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. So, listen, the idea that the United States government couldn't or wouldn't do shady shit against its own citizen in complete or relative secrecy is dumb as hell. You can do that right now. So when people start to question whether or not the U.S. could have played a hand in unleashing COVID-19 on the world... at it you know it's uh, it's an understandable idea you know they've they've been some shady details here and there you know the first thing that comes to mind is um there's a new york times article from december 20 scene that you know surprisingly i haven't seen anybody bring up um but it's titled a federal ban on making lethal viruses is lifted uh you you literally can google it right now i promise you'll find it it's called again a federal ban on making lethal viruses is lifted And, you know, it basically talks about how our government ended a three-year moratorium on research to make pathogens more lethal. I'll read this quote. "Uh, Some scientists are eager to pursue these studies because they may show, for example, how a bird flu could mutate to more easily infect humans or could yield clues to making a better vaccine. Critics say that these researchers risk creating a monster germ that could escape the lab and seed a pandemic. I'm going to just leave you with that right there. You know, that recently there was uh, there were some reports of a 15-page dossier allegedly from Five Eyes, which is like the pooling of intelligence agencies from the U.S., the U.K., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, which, you know, supposedly claimed that either the virus is generated in a lab at the Wuhan Institute of Technology. Although, you know, it should be noted that according to The Guardian, the intelligence community then denied these reports. Uh, you know, then there's a scientist at the University of Pittsburgh, Bing Liu, who, you know, according to news reports, was on the verge of making very significant findings about COVID-19 before he was killed in an apparent murder-suicide. So, you know, if you want to entertain a debate about the origins of this COVID-19 pathogen, by all means, you know, I I get it. You know, I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what's going on. You know, I don't by any means pretend to have the answer sway. So, you know, I don't think it's entirely implausible to think that there may be, you know, something, some bigger shit going on. You know, it's, it's understandable. I, you know, I get it. But what is not understandable, what is instead absolutely unacceptable, is the intentional spread of misinformation that's not scientific but pretends to be, 
misinformation that's been disproven and debunked and that could potentially be dangerous. I'm talking about this quote-unquote documentary pandemic that's been all up and down my timeline for the last week. You know, in this uh, documentary, a quote-unquote scientist named Judy Mikovits makes all kinds of claims about the coronavirus pandemic and has got people buzzing with distrust about the recommendations that the CDC is making from wearing masks to social distancing. I don't even know where to begin, so let's start with her. In introducing her, the narrator attempts to establish Judy Mikovits' credibility by stating that she has been called one of the most accomplished scientists of her generation. I said betwear. I mean, maybe in a household? <laughs> the point of that, as Jason Silverstein, the Department of Global Health and Social Medicine at Harvard Medical School notes, is to make the viewer trust her and what she's about to say instead of the research and evidence presented by the world's leading epidemiologists and public health experts currently working around the clock to get this pandemic under control. The claim that Judy Mikovits is that bitch in science is absolutely wrong unless you specify that she was that bitch who fucked up her own career by being on some bullshit. Let me explain to you this woman's villain origin story. According to Science Magazine, Mikovits was a biochemist at the Whittemore Peterson Institute in Reno, Nevada, and was unknown in the scientific community until 2009 when she co-authored a paper published in the journal Science claiming that chronic fatigue syndrome, which you know is a disease that's been largely ignored by researchers, was caused by an obscure virus called XMRV. Now, you guys know that when you publish research, it has to be peer-reviewed and the validity of your claims can be questioned if scientists can't reproduce these results. So that's exactly what happened. According to science, quote, researchers showed that XMRV was created accidentally in the lab during mouse experiments. It may never have infected any humans. The authors first retracted two figures in a table from the paper in October 2011. Around the same time, a study by several labs, including her own, showed the findings couldn't be replicated. Thus, her paper was retracted in 2011 because it was wrong. Now, instead of signing her notice of retraction, she took part in another effort to replicate her results in a rigorous study that was backed by Columbia University and the National Institutes of Health. And I get it. I mean, it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? You work so hard on something, somebody else couldn't replicate it. You're like, uh, you know, what would you do? You want to try it again. But in 2012, that study found that, quote, there is no evidence that XMRV is a human pathogen. And Mikovits conceded, acknowledging that she was dead wrong. And the documentary... The filmmaker and narrator, Mickey Willis, ignores this history, you know, to paint Mikovits, who was arrested in 2011 for allegedly stealing property and computer data, as a martyr who was persecuted for making a discovery. She willingly lies to the public in the interview, claiming, and I quote, I was held in jail with no charges. But when investigative journalist Marshall Allen of ProPublica reached out to her, having looked at the court documents himself, she claimed that she had been confused about the charges for a decade and said that she'll try to learn to say it differently. So basically the woman's a whole liar. And that's just about her own background. Let's get into the meat of it. In the film, Mikovic speaks out against wearing the masks, which is now a CDC recommendation, claiming that it makes you sicker. She states, wearing the mask literally activates your own virus. You're getting sick from your own reactivated coronavirus expressions. And if it happens to be SARS-CoV-2, then you got a big problem. But Bertram Jacobs, a professor of virology at Arizona State University, notes that, quote, 
Nobody seems to understand what she meant by that. And it's true. If you search any credible scientist's take on this claim, literally everybody's like, what does that even mean? When asked about it by Live Science, Marsha Wills Karp, who's the chair of environmental health and engineering at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, says that Mikovits doesn't know anything about immunity or she thinks that breathing in the inoculum virus you already have in your nose is going to somehow change your exposure. If your immune system has seen it, you've either mounted a protective response or you haven't. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't infect your own self with the virus you already have. That's not how viruses work. And maybe it's because I was an AP bio nerd or something, you know, but I, th- I thought this was common knowledge. And for me, you know, what this did was highlighted a gap in education on these topics because, you know, a couple people and, and they're very smart and very competent people who I spoke about this subject to, you know, they believed her. And they told me that they believed it because she sounded like she knew what she was talking about. But guys, not everything that glitters is gold. Not every sweet-talking boo you ever had turned out to be good for you. And shit, we all bullshit a presentation before you know, at one point or another, not knowing as much about the material as we should have, you know, and still manage to finesse a better grade than we deserved. So, you know, fuck, we got a master bullshitter as president right now. It's the same thing. This man literally opens his mouth and a good amount of us are like, fuck this fucking idiot. Even so, there's a huge faction that hears him speak and they're like, this nigga really spitting. So, you know, I get it, but you got to be careful, y'all. You, you, you got to fact check. You got to use discernment. Would you trust Madoff to manage your money? Would you trust a, a chop shop doc to do your body? So why would you trust a discredited scientist whose research was proven fraudulent time and time again in peer-reviewed study after peer-reviewed study with your health? Moving on to her next claim. Mikovic says that, you know, she's not anti-vaccine but that the COVID-19 vaccine will kill millions. Let me tell you something. The lie detector determined that was a lie. No vaccine has ever killed millions of people. That's an absolute lie. According to the World Health Organization, the most common side effects of vaccines are soreness of the arm and a mild fever, both of which are temporary. You know, more serious side effects happen as rarely as one per millions of doses. According to its site, So few deaths can plausibly be attributed to vaccines that it's hard to assess the risk statistically. Each death reported to ministries of health is generally thoroughly examined to assess whether it is really related to the administration of vaccine, and if so, what exactly is the cause. When, after careful investigation, an event is felt to be genuine vaccine-related death, it is most frequently found to be a programmatic error not related to vaccine manufacture. So I read this and was like, what the fuck is a programmatic error? What even constitutes that? So I searched it and turns out that a programmatic error includes situations like improper sterilization of needles, improper storage of vaccines, the administration of too much vaccine in a single dose. So basically human error that has absolutely nothing to do with the manufacture of vaccines. So again, adverse effects after immunization occur super rarely. There's absolutely no proof that any vaccine has or ever will kill millions. Personally, you know, that sounds like the quickest way to take a biotech company. And in a time when there are several of them competing to make the most effective vaccine the fastest with no room for error and millions, honestly, billions of dollars on the line, that is absolutely not going to happen. Mikovits also adds that, quote, there is no vaccine currently on the schedule for any RNA virus that works. 
This is literally another statement that makes absolutely no sense. Stupid. And you wouldn't know it because it sounds kind of scientific. She said, there is no vaccine currently on the schedule for any RNA virus that works. Benjamin Tenover, a microbiologist at Mount Sinai, ICON or ICON, how the fuck you pronounce it, School of Medicine, points out that polio, measles, and yellow fever are all RNA viruses. Their vaccines have literally been some of the greatest successes in vaccination history. Like, that's literally why you don't got motherfuckers walking around with measles or limping around with polio. <laughs> some of y'all don't even know what polio is. And that's literally because of vaccinations and the Global Polio Eradication Initiative, which eliminated the disease from 99% of the world. In the U.S., measles was declared eliminated in 2000 due to huge vaccination efforts. Although, you know, more recently, pockets of infection have been popping up, you know, in anti-vaxxer communities. I mean, listen... I got chicken pox in the first grade. That shit was terrible. You know, my entire body was covered in those bitch-ass, itch-ass bumps and lesions. And what, when was the last time you seen a little nigga walking around with chicken pox? Mind you, that's a DNA virus, not an RNA virus, but my point still stands. Kids don't get chicken pox these days because of the varicella vaccine. To wrap up this point, vaccines can be developed on the vast knowledge that scientists have of current vaccines. For example, MERS is also a coronavirus, so scientists are literally working on tweaking that solution to be fit for COVID instead. And they go through several rigorous research trials in animals before undergoing extensive human testing on voluntary subjects. So yes, they are safe and they are effective. And real quick, you know, this isn't even a claim from the film, but I've seen way too many people fucking wild on the timeline talking about, oh, they're going to track you with vaccines. Like, bitch, I I don't know how any of you expect a small amount of liquid put into your veins to somehow be a computer because yeah that's what a tracking device is a computer somehow capable of gathering and transmitting information back to another computer and listen i've been very nice in a lot of my points today okay but anybody saying that sound dumb as hell stupid i hear fixing their fingers to type that shit on a whole computer they keep in their fucking pocket uh-oh I had given Google their fucking locations to show on Instagram where the fuck they be at. I hear walking around and driving with fucking cameras at every light and street corner. Bitch, are you dumb? No, you are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Now, a last point I want to address in regards to social distancing. I know a lot of us have seen the footage from the beaches during spring break in Miami before we all started this lockdown. You know, before a lot of people really understood the gravity of what was going on. Well, Mikeovitz says, Why would you close the beach? You've got sequences in the soil and the sand. You've got healing microbes in the ocean and the salt water. That's insanity. Y'all. There's some more of that pseudoscientific shit that she be out here spitting trying to make it seem like she really saying something. If you really look this up, literally any scientist has been asked about this literally has no idea what the fuck she's talking about. What do sequences even refer to? And healing microbes in the ocean, what, what the fuck is she talking about? A microbe is a microorganism, most commonly they refer to bacteria, but depending on who you ask, they could include viruses. <laughs> what the fuck do any bacteria or completely unrelated viruses have anything to do with the treatment or prevention of COVID-19? This lady's literally trying to make it seem like taking a dip in the Atlantic and covering yourself with germs from the water is somehow going to help you heal or make you less susceptible to catching a disease that has absolutely no relation. A claim that not only makes no sense, but one that she has absolutely no proof of. In reality, congregating at the beach in close proximity with a thousand other motherfuckers trying to catch a wave is only going to put you at risk of coming home with COVID. Back in March, one of the first situations in which COVID spread in Massachusetts was here in Boston at this Biogen conference. According to the New York Times, some senior executives had been infected days earlier at their annual leadership meeting and did not know it. Now, 
Just from attending their conference, 99 Massachusetts residents contracted the virus, those that got tested anyway, and others unknowingly carried it to six other states, D.C., and then three other countries. All that off of one conference. Now, imagine everybody and their mother with access to the beaches, decides to go, you know. When we're talking about a highly contagious, easily communicable, infectious disease that's airborne, that shit is just a disaster waiting to happen. And listen, I've heard concerns of people thinking that staying inside is going to weaken their immune systems. Like, no, there's there's no evidence of that. There is evidence that, you know, feeling lonely, not being physically alone or being near less people, but the actual feeling of being lonely can make you stressed. And one of the body's responses to stress can be inflammation and, and that can weaken your defenses. But again, it's your perception of feeling lonely, not the physical act. So, you know, you, you feeling lonely, FaceTime, call somebody, bitch. Do something. You be the fuck all right. But you know what? You know what does give my body a stress response? Going outside and seeing all you motherfuckers not wearing masks, huffing and puffing all over the place like you done ran a marathon, like you fucking take a breathalyzer, like you out here the big bad wolf and you just got to the brick house and you want some fucking bacon, Jesus. So no, stay that ass home. Okay, you have a lifetime worth of building your immune system through contact with several bacteria and viruses that have set you up for success with most future encounters. All right? That's not just going to go away. Unless you catch measles, which, by the way, is another reason to take the measles vaccine. Most people don't notice. But, you know, after you get the measles, it completely wipes out your immune memory and you got to start from scratch again. Good luck, bitch. So anyway, as I was saying, your immune system has set you up for success with the shit that you've encountered. The reason our immune systems don't work against this virus is because, ta-da, we've never been exposed to it. That's why we're being asked to stay inside. We have no immunity against it. We have absolutely no idea how our bodies will react to it. Some people are asymptomatic. Others are overwhelming hospitals and dropping like flies. And even those who survived it are dealing with damage to all kinds of organs from their lungs to livers to kidneys. And there's not even any proof that having caught it before actually protects you from future infections. And that's the shit that gets me too, is, is nobody wants to listen to the experts. Y'all want to listen to discredited ass liars like this lady, or your woke-ass cousin on a timeline who thinks that vitamin D is enough to keep a defense against the virus. Well, guess what? Let me tell you something. Having a nutritious diet absolutely strengthens your body and its immune response. Vitamin D, which you can get from the sun or from a multivitamin, is definitely key in maintaining a healthy immune system. These are facts. But what the fuck was shining when autumn white folk was going out to bitch about the quarantine at their respective state capitals? The sun. And what the fuck did these white folk catch at the protest anyway? Coronavirus! Moving on. Rap game super troll Takashi69, who faced a minimum 47-year sentence for several charges, including racketeering, and later got that reduced to two years by cooperating with the feds, was recently released from prison. He suffers from asthma and is now serving the remainder of his sentence on supervised release due to the high risk of him contracting COVID within the prison system. Now, just last Friday, 6ix9ine dropped his new video, Gooba, and afterwards went on IG Live, breaking the platform's record with a total 2 million viewers. In that short live stream, he addressed everything from his haters to his reasons for snitching, and it was quickly clear that he was back to his trolling ways. Here to discuss, I have rapper OG Swaggerdick and Malcolm J. Gray, social media manager at the world's largest live entertainment company. Thanks for being on the show. What's up? What's up? What's up? So, you guys, I, I you know, what were your first thoughts when you heard that 6ix9ine was about to get released? <laughs> I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I don't know what world I'm in right now, but this is amazing. I, I feel like I'm in an episode of Boondocks. It was great. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Wow. 
yeah, it, 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 it's, you know, this is unprecedented. Um, yeah, I, after a while, the news was just so much, I mean, with everything with him going forward and all the incessant trolling he's been doing for the past years, um, you get numb to it and you kind of like, I started to block it out after a while and to see that after all that, he, he cut his jail time down significantly and then um, was able to get out, still sign to the deal, release new music, and then break an Instagram world record is just beyond. I'm going to be honest. I feel you. I, I didn't pay attention to it as much either. And I low-key, deep down, was hoping he'd get out because I'm just like, yo, honestly, <laughs> if he gets out, this is just, <laughs> this is just nuts. <laughs> like, this is, this is the funniest thing to happen, even though, you know, lives have been affected by this real lives, but it's just yeah. it's, pretty, it's pretty nuts, this whole thing. It's crazy. So, you know, it's not easy for just anybody to do these numbers. He got out, he hit IG Live, he hit 2 million uh, and he wasn't even live, on live for 30 minutes. Bad Bunny hasn't done that. Drake hasn't done that. What do you think uh, his strategy is here, Malcolm? And, and why do you think he's able to gain so much attention still, even after losing authenticity? We know that in hip-hop, you know, authenticity is the greatest currency. So after being labeled a snitch, how is he still able to do this? In essence, right? Um, the thing about Takashi um, is he, he understands marketing and he understands how to manipulate the internet. Uh, if nothing else, right? He understands who his actual fan base is, you know, and I think he does a lot of publicity stunts, right? Publicity stunts, publicity stunts have been going back uh, in music and entertainment forever, right? But, you know, I feel like he is somebody that kind of, you know, first person to really do it at this level within hip-hop for this generation. And when I say that, it's like, all right, using gang culture, which is still, you know, an undercurrent in hip hop, but not as prevalent as it once was in the 90s, uh, late 80s, and, you know, early 2000s. But, you know, it's still, you know, an undertone to hip hop because that, you know, came up around that time. So him being able to get a co-sign like that to, you know, still make these, these visuals and these videos and, you know, getting the co-sign from the streets, um, to build this image of himself and being able to use that to propel himself to superstardom, right? Um, just off of him being a personality and literally being feeling like he can say whatever he wants to anyone and not get touched and him doing that successfully over and over and over again made him just this spectacle where, you know, people just want to see, you know, I was listening to Joe Budden podcast the other day and they were just saying people just want to see a car crash and, I agree. It's one of those things where it's just like, you just want to see what he's saying. I, I don't know if people actually care that much, but, you know, people want to be around to see the next, you know, circus from him. What do you, uh, yeah. what do you think, Cody? I mean, funny enough, he's being authentic because he, he's made the snitch. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't right. stop laughing at this. Yo, but I, I don't know, man. Honestly, it's, Kids don't care now. I, I just don't think kids understand because they don't come from, a lot of them don't come from the environment, <laughs> which is good because, you know, it's less violence and things. But also, you have a lot of those kids just commenting on things and they don't understand it. Like, I just, <clears throat> this kid I know is like, yo, I would do the same, like, what would you do if, if such and such? Like, he was, he was pretty much saying he gets where he was coming from. And I was like, I had to explain to him, like, no. 
and that lifestyle, when you sign up for it, you know, you got to take everything that comes with it. It's kind of like being a contractor. You sign a contract, you got to, you got to do your job. So it's, it's basically the same thing, which is nuts. But, um, yeah, he's just able to do it, man. And like Malk said, he's, he knows his market. He's good at trolling. He knows all he has to do is just do it. He doesn't care of how he did it or whatever. Like when he told them he would pull up to Chief Keefs to, to Old Block and he did it, but he did it like at 3 a.m. when it was raining, he still did it and he shot a video and he but, just – But he did it, yeah. But he did it, and that's yeah. the craziest thing. It's like, yo, he did it. To everybody else, like to the street people, well, street people and people that's, you know, that want the authenticity, they're like, yo, he did it when nobody was there. But he's not stupid. Of course, he, right. he, he just knows what he's doing. He's very smart. I give him that. He's, he's, the, he's one of the best trolls I've seen. I'm not going to front. It brings to mind when he, uh, when he flew out Chief Keith Baby Mama and took her to Trump Towers shopping. Oh yeah, he, <laughs> he, like he knows, he knows, and it's nuts. And I don't listen to him like that. Like I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, a fan at all. Like I don't listen to him, but he, he is good at what he does, and it's actually nuts to say that. You know, I, I, I you know, it's I feel like an old head, right? And you know, I'm older than y'all, so I think about it. It's just like he's just not my generation of like artists, right? Like. There's no way this would fly if you did this 10, 15 years ago, right? Oh, 100%. Um, let him, like, 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 the, like, none of this would make any sense. Like, you would just have no credibility. Nobody would listen to you. No DJs would play you. Like, but it's not like that no more, right? It's, it's different. It's one of those things where it's like, yo, the, the bulk of his fans aren't from that generation. It's a new generation. And I think, you know, as hip hop and music has become this global thing, Right, it's getting further and further away from the streets. Right, the, the the base of listenership, and you can add streaming into that, and all the other factors that have changed in the music industry over the you know the past fifteen twenty years. But you know, you look at all those things, and it's like, yo, he he manip- he's manipulating this system right now. And the further and further and further hip hop spreads around the world, the further you get away from the streets, and the further you get away from people that are consuming hip hop, holding him to a certain level of accountability for things like that right and i think yeah. you know he can all the real people could just be like all right cool whatever um i'm not listening to him but he could still find you know uh millions and millions and millions of people that will pay attention to him and you know listen to the things he says and engage with him so in a live he explained that his reason for snitching on the nine trade bloods with whom he'd align himself <laughs> including his manager and protector shoddy who's now serving 15 years was that you know, they stole money from him. They fucked his baby mama and uh, even, you know, threatened to kidnap his mom and stuff like that. So uh, I put up a poll on my Instagram and 78% of the people that uh, that saw the clip said that he was, you know, justified in snitching, whereas 22% said that nah, he's dead wrong still. So I know, OG, from your social media that you were not at all siding with him. Um, so for those who think he's justified, I, mean, I know I personally heard, you know, the thing about his own mother and I'm like, whoa, I don't play with that. Like, you're not about to play with my mom's like that. So for those who are thinking that he's justified in light of what he says anywhere, the way he paints things to have played out, um, why is he not justified? I mean, if this happened to you and you're a pedestrian, then you have all the right 
to do, but you wouldn't even be in a situation because you wouldn't have been affiliated with these people. But if it's so, for some reason, happened to you, it would make sense because you're a pedestrian. But if you're out here claiming that you're in a gang and you're ordering hits on people, you're doing all this stuff, and then when it goes sour, you decide to turn and rap, then like <clears throat> you're a snitch because you you. You signed up for that. That's what you signed up for. When you sign up for that stuff, you're taking everything that comes with it, the good, the bad, everything. So he he signed up for it, and for him to turn around and do that is is fucked up. But, you know, people going to do you what know, they want to do. You know, and seemingly it seemed like, you know, I don't – from the stuff that I've read, um, it seemed like he wasn't really about that life um, before he started making music, right? So – leveraging gang culture to gain relevancy within um, your artistic platform or the internet. Um, and then in turn, using that to become famous. And then after, you know, the reality of those scenarios start playing out in your life, you turn on everyone that you, you know, you just became acquainted with. It, 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 it's crazy. I was listening to the, um, infamous the Takashi Six Nine story that's put together by uh, Spotify in collaboration with Complex and narrated by Angie Martinez and it's a great it's like an eight episode podcast that kind of explains his rise and, and fall and uh, yeah I mean that's that's basically the way he maneuvered it was you know he had absolutely no affiliation to them beforehand um, he used them for protection and for clout whereas they used him for you know exposure and money and he absolutely in, in the end was not about that life uh, you know. He literally the next day after getting picked up that day in November 2018, the actual next day, he was already ratting everybody out. Yo, it's crazy because I remember his first ever music video and I found out about it because the dude that shot his video, I ended up staying at my boy's crib in New York that Friday and they just released it that Friday. It's because she had no Instagram and no Twitter. And he was like, yo, I just shot a video for this kid. His name's Takashi69. And he was rapping like Scum Gang or something like that. And I remember the track was like, bust it open, bring it back. And I was, I was telling people like, yo, I feel like I don't think he's going to be like a star, but I think he's going to have a cult fan base. Just the type of music and video it was. It was just crazy for that time. I didn't know he would be like this, though. Like, as soon as I started seeing his name everywhere, it just was nuts. I was like, What? And then where he is now is just like, yo, I never predicted any of this would happen the first time watching this music video. This shit is crazy. And he wasn't affiliated with Bloods back then. He wasn't. He was just like a wild New York nigga. Like New York I kid. Think that, I, think, I think at the base of it, LG, like, you know, however you feel about him, and I know how I feel about him, but he has charisma. Um, he has personality that yeah does draw, that. that draws people in. You know what I'm saying? He can go. Most people can go on. A lot of people can go on live for 20 minutes and be extremely boring. But like, even when he was going on live before we're all stuck in the house, he was charismatic and was drawing people in with the with his jokes, with the ridiculous things he would say. Obviously, he would just yeah. say a lot of wild shit and like call out other rappers and other people, but. You know, there was something about that that was really drawing people in. Yeah, he's very on toes. He's, I could say that about him, too, since, like, when I watched that first video, I could see that. I could see his charisma and everything. So he's all, he's always had that, but he's never – I don't remember him ever, like, being in the bloods or anything. And that happened, I was just like, wow. 
So one of the things you, you mentioned is how, you know, 6ix9ine has a lot of charisma. And something he's really good at is, is talking to people and kind of getting himself out of these situations. You know, he got himself out of a 47-year minimum sentencing and only has served two years. Mind you, now he's serving that outside. So everything worked out in yeah. his favor. And posting about all of the, um, you know, asking for people's opinions and stuff, I posted on Facebook and some people got into it. And so one person, this is one person across like all social media, came onto my thing and posted a link to a tweet. And the tweet was like, 69 is a non-black pedophile who says, nigga, what is wrong with y'all? And I was like, I wow. I seen that. Like, I completely forgot that he had this whole pedophile situation. So when, you know, doing some more research and listening to the Angie Martinez uh, podcast, you know, I, I learned more about our, you know, what it was. And I remember that that even happened back in 2015, you know, where basically, you know, there was uh, an assault, um, you know, it was a 13-year-old girl. There were three videos that, that were made that he put up on his own social media. And, you know, the girl sat on his lap in one of them and she was in his underwear. Somebody was pouring liquor on her. You know, she was getting penetrated, basically gangbanged by a bunch of guys. And then, um, you know, I guess the mom saw it on social media and he got picked up and, you know, he admitted what had happened. Right. And he had pled guilty to it. He ended up serving no jail time for that. Um, but it was just like, you know, looking at the way he talked about it in his interview with academics, kind of when that stuff went more public years later, you know, he was making a lot of little lies here and there. He was saying, you know, first of all, I was 17, trying to make himself seem like a kid when in reality he was 18. You know, he was saying, he literally said that there was no penetration, that nobody got raped when literally that's not what, you know, the police report says. So um, there's a lot of- I didn't know all that. Yeah. So this this is all stuff I'm literally learning as I'm like doing more research on it. So it's like- at the end of the day, does it even really matter if he's a snitch, if he's also a whole rapist pedophile? Why are we like, you know, why are people caping for him? Like, why are we still looking for him? Why is he able to, you know, in, in a world where we've canceled R. Kelly and we've seen that surviving R. Kelly and, you know, we've taken his catalogs out of our lives. You know, how are, how is the world still making excuses for this, um, you know, bright haired little, uh, um, you know, troll? I think it's because of the way, possibly the way it was told. Maybe it's because uh, he was, he was, uh, I guess, 17 or 18 at the time. And it was a 13-year-old who they can, I guess he said he didn't know she was 13 or whatever and all that. So I think that could be it. I don't really know, in all honesty. But that's, that's the most I can think of it possibly being. Versus R. Kelly, who's like, yo, this nigga's just been a predator for years, and this nigga's just been a whole creep. <laughs> like, and yeah. then he's been singing about this shit. Like, the shit yeah. happened with 6 9 and it kind of, like, just went under the rug because it didn't seem like he... It seemed more of, like, a statutory or, like, a... It didn't seem violent from what... From what everybody, from what I've heard, I guess I don't, I don't really know. But I didn't really hear much about it. I don't, I didn't, like I said, I don't, I don't pay attention. So I think that's what it could be. I think, or maybe it could be that all the stuff, other stuff he's done has just like kind of just left that in the in the dust because he's just been so much peace. Like either one of those, I, I don't really know though. I honestly like once you know, of course that happens, that happens and you really just kinda of just zoom that person out. That's how I look at it. I think um let's make no mistake. People are still defending R. Kelly too, right? 
I they are still the, a world that we live in. Probably more people than are defending 2009, um, honestly. Um, but you know, I, I think I just think his fan base doesn't care about stuff like that, to be honest, right? Um, and you know, I think we're also not to bring up you know the evolution of music as well, but I think you know. Again, because I'm old head, 15, 20 years ago, you were a little bit more connected to your artists. And, and in that way, like, you cared a little bit more about the, the stuff, everything that makes them who they are, right? I think, especially growing up listening to, like, 90s rap, 90s hip-hop, R&B, all that kind of shit, you, you kind of see the lifestyle that these people are living, um, and you kind of want to make that in whatever way that that's reasonable to you right i think now with your access to music right uh your ability to kind of find whatever whatever artist or celebrity you want and literally you're one tweet away from being able to engage with them um i think you know people now feel like i don't know actually i, I just and this is what i was going before was like now you have so many options that you know i don't i don't really care anything about Sakashi 69 Somebody yeah. could say, I don't really care anything about the guy 69. I like this song, demo, whatever it is. But then I'm, the, the shit I really fuck with is over here. But I'll, I'll put the song on playlist and when I hear it out, I'll fuck with it. And that's my, you know, that could be my extent of, you know, what I, what I, how I fuck with Takashi. But, you know, back then it was a little more, you know, people used to fight for their artists and argue. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like, I say all in a roundabout way that all of, you know, I don't think it's his, the bulk of his fan base. If they are really fans instead of just spectators, right? Watching a, a circus. That's also um, another thing too. I don't ever see a six nine fan. Like I've, I've never really witnessed a six nine fan or what that looks like. Well, it's mainly he can't do show. He can't, he can't do shows, right? Cause no venue can really afford the insurance for it to cost a six nine show. Right, yeah. he's mostly only going to do shows in the hood. No college can afford like. Yo, can you imagine what that would that look would like? Like, how many cops would you need extra? What's how much luxury would you have to pay in security? You'd have to yeah. pay so much extra in security insurance that you're going to lose money on the show, and something might happen. So it's just like, yo, you know. Yeah, he would have to and, like and find I, that show some. Do you know what I mean? And I think about the future, and it's just like, yo, you know. How long can this really last? How long can he sustain this model of just trolling and doing all this stuff, dropping videos? Cool, you can get your little residuals off streaming. Maybe his label deal is super lucrative, so we don't really need to uh, tour. But that's how artists really make the bread is about going out on tour. And he has a low budget tour. It's probably just gonna be him and a DJ, maybe some dancers, right? But you think about it, like yeah. no venue can like, really support that, bro. Like no, how can you afford to? You know, pay for the insurance, pay for the security, to pay for all those things. You have to charge like a two hundred dollars ticket just to yeah. see him for you, for the for you to like make money. You know, you gotta charge Coachella tickets, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's festival. That's Yo, I feel like he might just do shows out the country. Like that's like probably his only option. Because I don't, yeah. I don't really think it's gonna be a safe thing for him to do shows here. I remember somebody was telling me, um. I was at a Larry June and Smoke Perp show. They was on tour together, and he was—he had the same security guard as um, Smoke Perp had the same security guard that had XXX when the uh, shit happened when he got punched. And he was yeah. like, "Yo," he was like, "I charge like three thousand a day or something like that." And he was like, "And to bring my gun is extra." He's like, "So I don't know how this kid's making money because 
as much crazy shit as he's doing, he has, he has to have security and they have to be armed. He's, he's going to go broke. And that was one of the points that you know, Angie Martinez was making is she actually, she interviewed Shadi's entertainment lawyer. And he, one of the things he was saying was that, you know, he didn't understand necessarily if, if uh, Takashi really thought that Shadi was stealing from him or if the business was just so messy that he didn't see where all the money that he was making was going with all his expenses. One of the things that you guys brought up was that, um, you know, you've never really seen a Takashi 69 fan. And that makes me wonder, you know, this new video, Gooba, you know, racked up 67.7 million uh, streams within just the last two days since his release. Which is and, not- you know, he did crazy numbers and 2 million on, on IG Live. Do you think guys think that these, these numbers are, are authentic or like... I, I think there's some bots because I, I said a 6.9 tweet and it wasn't even crazy. I, I didn't say anything wild. And I got like three responses alone saying like, just just shit to try to defend him. And I looked and they were all like bots. You have zero followers. You have very few tweets. It was just, it was very bodish. It was very bodish. It just seemed like an inauthentic profile. <laughs> like I, Big body. And another thing I've heard, I've heard people say like they fuck with 6ix9ine song, but I never heard like somebody say like, yo, I'm a 6ix9ine fan. So it, and, and Malcolm could probably, de- well, you could definitely, uh, fucking attest to this or not with streaming like you could there's certain artists that like have high streaming numbers that can't sell out shows like I've, I've been finding that out recently like certain artists with like like millions of streams tens of millions can't do like a house of blues show like everywhere you'd be you'd be extremely surprised how common yeah, yeah it's actually surprising they, no they certain, that's like that's not i don't know i'm, I'm laughing yeah. because you said a house of blue shows that i'm like yeah coming from a touring background i'm like bro i know exactly what you're talking yo, about i don't want to say the name of the artist but this artist's um show got canceled and i asked why and they were like they can't sell out that venue and i'm like yo this artist is literally around the time they were the biggest not the biggest artist but they had like mad like their instagram like whole statistics looks crazy their their streams are nuts but i guess these artists you get you get so much streams you think you can sell out these shows and then you can't but that's because people are just adding the songs to playlists and nobody's really paying attention they're like oh i fuck with the song we put it on a playlist they're not really diving into the artist so i think that could be a thing with him too necessarily but he has so much antics to follow it too that people are also into that so in closing what do you guys see in takashi's future i have no clue and i am honestly i don't follow shade room or any of those things but i might have to you oh, know yeah. tap a little notification <laughs> <for those laughs> but i don't i don't know i don't know if this is gonna last i really i'm surprised it's gone this far and i'm surprised that the, he's getting this much notoriety now i mean i guess it makes sense because it's like the first thing we've ever seen of this but i don't i don't really know what he what else he can do besides like you know perish <laughs> like that's the only thing i really see is like if somebody catches them it's pretty you know it's not good but i don't i don't know in all honesty i don't see this really lasting long i um you know i He's the top tier finesser. Um, he has been able to finesse his way into music, uh, into the, the top of like collaborating with like 
Nicki Minaj level. Kanye he has a song with Kanye. Like Kanye has like which is crazy. Kanye like he has huge records, right? Please. And 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 you know like he's been able to finesse his way up, right? And then you know the whole situation happened. He went to jail, and he's able to finesse his way out of thirty-seven years plus time, right? Well, he snitched, but <laughs> uh, it's not really finessing, but. Now the coronavirus, he's able to his his lawyer is probably the savior for him, but was able That's to right. get him out of prison, right, early to bring him home. And he somehow shot a music video in that time with people, but also you're supposed to be social distancing. Like there's just all these things that aren't like really making sense. Yo, and it's <laughs> I think he's gonna keep finessing until he you're finessing until you're not, right? And so yeah. I think shit will eventually catch up to him. I don't know what it looks like. It could be something really, really dark or it could be, you know, he realizes that he's been wilding and he starts apologizing and, you know, can come to some kind of semblance of, you know, normalcy. But I don't know, man. Like, it's it's just, you know, if you came in the game with crazy antics, right, and you, you just built this huge marketing machine, do you pivot that into something else? Right, you yeah. start, you know, if if somebody did, if you wanted to produce a documentary, right, it's gonna give you somebody is gonna support it. Somebody's gonna produce that for them because they know it's gonna do well, right? And it, and it, you know, it, it's just one of those really, really, really interesting things. If he does an interview, it goes crazy, right? Um, so you know, it's just kind of understanding, you know, what he'll do to pivot into the next phase of this. Or because he can't keep trolling, he can't keep going this route. Or I thought that before, but now he's back, right? But I don't think I mean, it's sustainable. I I, look, yeah. look what happened. He went to jail and had to, you know, finish to get out of a crazy bed. So you think this isn't sustainable. So he has to pivot from this into something that's more lucrative, safe, and, you know, as safe as he can be at this point. Yeah, because I'm just like, you, you've done the max. Like, you literally have went to jail and snitched and got out. Like, there's, I don't think you could troll any... Within I don't, a I don't, year. Within that's what I'm saying. Year. I don't, I don't think you could get any, I don't think you could do anything crazier. And so, you, like, yo, how do you... Like, use that... Yo, you have, like, billboard, like... I don't, know, I don't know if he had number one, but he had top 10 records on Billboard, like yeah. multiple. Gets caught in a legal scenario in what, November? Getting yeah, a racketeering. Yo, they put Rico charges and he's out by June? What? That's cool. Like, yo, May. Like, yo, the mafia couldn't get that off. Like, with yo, the, that's how, why I keep saying this is like a Boondocks episode. It doesn't <laughs> make any sense. This really and feels the like the Boondocks. Yeah, and then, and now you got you have um you know he's on house arrest or whatever. He goes outside to a balcony to take some pictures, and some white girl sees him from her window, and uh, makes a video, puts it up. So I'm in my fucking room. Six nine is literally. He moves into the house behind me. He's taking pictures on the back deck. And suddenly he got to be out, and so he just had to reload. Got to move. It's like, yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Like how. I don't know how long it's going to sustain because of that alone. And then, like, when you when you put shows into it, I'm just like, uh, is he going to be able to do live shows? And maybe if... No, he, I, don't, I don't see it. Bro. Yeah. I, I, I don't see it. Don't. 
you, I, but like you said earlier, OJ, like it could be in Europe or like Australia, yeah. where like the stuff isn't, at least there's not that people really, really tied to that specific type of gang culture, right? They got gangs everywhere, but it's a yeah. little bit separated, <laughs> right? But like, bro, I can't, bro, like they wouldn't let Pop Smoke, Fabio Foreign, and like a few other people perform at Rolling Loud in New exactly. York, right? Because because the cops are just like, nah, this is too much heat. Where Sakashi is, and he's way bigger than all of them. All right? of them. Um, so now it's just like, yo, where can he, where can he go in the United States? He beats with people in every little, literally every major city across. Like Chief Keith can't perform. Like this, like even like looking at how a lot of the Chicago artists aren't even allowed to perform in Chicago. Perform in Chicago, of, yeah. For producing too much gang activity, allegedly, right? Yeah, so, Chief Keith couldn't even do a, he couldn't even do a um, holograph show. No, you can't do a ho- I can't, hologram. You can't show. even do a, a hologram. <laughs> a ho- a ho- you can't bring a hologram of Chief Keith like New York without people to, uh, to Chicago that's how without bad it is. to go on crazy. You know what I'm saying? So, like, imagine him at the top tier of trolling and, like, you know, with his history now, it's just like, yo, it's, he just has a target on his back and that kind of energy, nobody really wants to, you know, be around. Even if his, you know, his prospects look better, let's say in Europe, only due to the fact that like there are no, you know, bloods out there, he don't got to worry about Nitre out there. Uh, you know, all of that even go buyers think about that stuff too. From even in, in Europe, there were so many of our Absolutely. artists that if they had, you know, past charges or they had, you know, it makes them difficult. It makes it difficult for them not even to just get booked, but to even enter that country. So it's like. Yeah, it's a cultural think, thing, yeah. Yeah, he really just, and, and, and even just that past that, just like a whole legal thing within like entering the mm-hmm. borders of that of those countries. So I think, you yeah. know, antics, um, you know, really bought him a lot of uh, clout, you know, but at the same time, it really stopped his bag in a lot of ways. I think yeah, it stopped his money too. And he could have seen, especially since, you know, you know as, as you mentioned, Malcolm, um, art, a lot of artists' money comes from touring. So, um, you know, the sustainability here definitely looks a little shaky. Uh, we're going to see how long he can keep these numbers up. Um, the only I, way I see something happening, and I don't know if this is even possible, is if he does like some summer jam type shit where it's like a stadium show. And I don't really see him selling that out, but if that was to happen, that would be his own summer jam. <laughs> like if he just did like a stadium yeah. show, like if he did like a, a logic type stadium and just rent it out. Sold and that out. Like, I'm just throwing my own shit. Yeah. If he sold that out, I, I would just, I'll probably be crying, like just in tears laughing because I'm like, how so did I, he? I think, I think he could, bro. Like it's, it's, it's that level of yeah, hype. It's that big. Just like, That's people what want to like. see it. People just want to be there to say they saw it. Bro, yeah. You tell me all these kids from like, uh, you know, suburban New York, from Connecticut, from New Jersey, from, you know, all these places in, in the tri-state and around surrounding states, like, they're gonna come like they want to go see it. To like it's just a thing, bro. Like, and I think it's you know I honestly, Anthony, like I think um for him, he needs to pivot into just content. You know, yeah. he came out in the time to like everyone's stuck in their crib. So if he ended up doing some fucking talk show from his, you know, uh, witness protection home or wherever the fuck they have in safe house. Um, it might do really, really well, and I can see it not. Yeah. I don't think Netflix. Oh, there's a lot of people that won't touch it, but there's definitely people that. Will there's people that will. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's, he would he's, de- gladly host that. <laughs> yeah, I think he's gonna definitely have to put out mad content in like the next whatever, which he I feel like he might be able to do, and he might end up doing because there's no way he he has to keep this up now because. 
because it's like if you're not making if you can't recoup on your deal through you're gonna make it back through streams eventually uh, i assume and keep putting it out but at what point are the antics especially when you can't get out the house at what point are the antics gonna get old right like if you can't you can't go to old block anymore. you can't go to uh times square and have conversations with you if you can't come to la and like try to troll yg or whoever it is like, yeah can't, i don't even think he could so, like, do that. No, you leave yeah. weekend, right? So, like, you're stuck in this crib. You're supposed to be in jail, but you're stuck in this house. It's like, all right, how much, how many times are, is the next stream going to get two million? How do you build back up, right? Like, you can't get, are you going to get two million again? Probably not. You might get 1.7, but, like, how, it's going to keep going down because, like, what else can you really do to, you know, really bring people in at this point? I don't yeah. know. It's interesting. Valid, valid. Thank you guys. I wanted to thank you again for uh, being on the show. PSA Papi. Thank you guys. Um, Malcolm J. Gray, OG Swagger Dick. I really appreciate you guys coming on and supporting and uh, giving you insights. Hey. Thanks for having us, bro. Peace all right, man. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms, too, by the way. Gang, gang, gang. Yeah. All right, that's our show. I want to thank OG Swagger Dick and Malcolm J. Gray again for coming out. I really appreciate you guys supporting this way. I want to thank all you guys as well, the listeners, for supporting me all this time. Um, go ahead and give me that five star because you know I'm a five star. Oh, uh, my five stars, Addy. <laughs> and um, you know, subscribe, like, share, all that beautiful shit. And I want to leave you with one thing. I want to leave you with this. You know, let's be clear, you guys, about one thing. All of these pushes to reopen, quote unquote, reopen the way we say it these days. It's all just conservatives doing what they've always done, putting the economy over people. 33 million people right now who've applied for unemployment since this shit began. That's the highest figure recorded in ever, like literally in the history of ever. These motherfuckers don't care about how many people die as long as they can kick us off public assistance. We can go back outside and martyr ourselves for corporate profits. That's literally what the fuck got us here in the first place. You know, had we placed people over profit, had we lived in a country that prioritized affordable and accessible healthcare and healthcare infrastructure in this country, we would have been better prepared with robust hospital systems, better equipped to handle this pandemic. But we don't, because instead of investing in public health, the New York state government, for example, slashed budgets and closed hospitals in favor of building expensive condos. And so we've seen them struggle to run the facilities that they have over capacity with a large influx of patients coming in despite isolation measures and completely out of space for dead bodies to the point where even their refrigerated trucks that they had to get were full and they were out here dumping bodies in mass graves. Either way, the economy will suffer, but saving the lives of the lower class, and listen, I say lower class, not middle, because the U.S. killed that a long time ago. Saving the lives of the lower class will forever be more important than putting our lives at risk to line these assholes' pockets. Fuck capitalism, fuck Trump, fuck the DNC, and if you don't agree, debate your mother hoe. <laughs>